0: Welcome to another episode of The Wholehearted Healer. My name is Dr. Avine Banish, and I'm really grateful this week to welcome Meg Frederick on as a guest. A little bit about Meg she recently retired in 2019 after 16 years of teaching at the Cheyenne Mountain High School as an English teacher and student council advisor. She was named Teacher of the Year somewhere around 2014 and absolutely loved her years as an educator. Meg received her master's in teaching from Colorado College in 2008 with an emphasis in positive psychology. After retiring, she, was dedicate, she has dedicated her time to the Mindfulness and Positivity Project, which is a nonprofit which she co-founded in 2020. She is passionately dedicated to helping people, especially teachers and students, live full, healthy, and happy lives through the practice of mindfulness and intentional, and intentional positive living. Meg believes that each and every precious life has meaning and purpose in this world, and we need to embrace it for good, for the good of all. Meg has four amazing kids, all thriving and loving their lives, and now five wonderful grandkids. In her free time, she loves to golf, garden, hike, cook, volunteer in her her community, and train for triathlons. Meg, thank you so much for taking the time to be here as my guest today.
1: It is just a pleasure, and I'm grateful that you asked.
0: So I met Meg, um, I think there was some overlap with my oldest at Cheyenne Mountain, although I don't think she had you as a teacher before you, before you retired, but oh. I met Meg through um, a little bit of my involvement with the Mindfulness and Positivity Project, and it's just such an exciting, it's a thrilling part of um, my experience here in the Springs, and so I first of all just want to say thank you so much for founding it.
1: Oh my gosh, what a joy. And you have been such a fabulous addition to our workshops and um, some of the work you do. So it's wonderful how, when we're open to things like this, that we find our people. And I think we found you as one of our people. So it's been, it's been a wonderful experience with you.
0: So Meg, we're recording this as, um, as the kids are getting ready to go back to school in the fall. And I just think you probably have so much wisdom um, about young people. And I just would love to hear and talk about your desire after being such a seasoned teacher to create something like the Mindfulness and Positivity Project and why you felt that that was an important thing to do.
1: Oh, that's such a great question. And it's, you know, it's a funny time of year for me because um, I'm always a bit, I feel like I'm a bit blue about the fact that I'm not jumping back into the classroom again. And then there's some real joy that I'm not jumping back into the classroom again. So it's one of those um, sort of push and pull in my own heart. When I reflect on this time of year, my grandkids started school two days ago and all my friends who are teachers are, you know, getting ready to go. And I think, oh, I wish I were. And then and then I don't get out of bed until seven 30 and I'm so grateful, <laughs> um, you know, it's like, and, and then doing this, um, the, the project. And, and so the project again takes off at the beginning of the school year because we step back into school. So summer's a little bit of a break for us, but as you well know, we do a lot of work in the summer with teachers, but I start back at a middle school on Monday morning with a mindfulness club that they're starting. So A lot of just great things go on. Um, I love the beginning of the year. It's exciting. It's fresh. It's new. um, And yet there's so much anxiety for kids. And they come to school with so much on on their minds and in their hearts. And um, I think sometimes we as educators forget that that's the most important part of what we should be thinking about and paying attention to. So that's my hope is that teachers pay, can, can begin to create a little space for um, mental health sounds like a huge big word to say, but a little space for kids to literally and metaphorically just breathe a little break for them um, to just find some peace and calm in their school day.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, one of my kids took part in, um, in a, a half a year mindfulness class at the high school, and she would just come home and um, first of all tell me all about stuff that I've been trying to teach her at home for her whole life. But somehow, hearing it through her teacher at school made a huge difference. But it it was exactly that. It was like this ability to breathe and sort of relax in a very very full day. I think that if you're no longer a student, like if you're a parent or an adult that high school is in your rear view mirror, you sort of forget just the amount of tension and anxiety that those kids hold all day, every day there. Right.
1: You know, it's, it's that, that adage. And, and I, a dear friend of mine had shared this with me years ago. He and I talked together and he said, you know, Meg, we're having this conversation. He said, when your students have forgotten everything you taught them, what will they have learned? and that really became my mantra and you know they're they're going to kids are going to get by in this life if they don't know where to put a comma or how to write a complete sentence i mean my goodness you know nowadays with technology they can just have somebody write a paper for them or learn it you know but on the other hand what will they have learned will they have learned that they were seen and heard and valued and appreciated will they have learned that their life has a lot of meaning and purpose will they have learned that the world is a good place and we should scan it for good every day. Will they learn that they can navigate their own emotional landscape? Um, will they learn that school was a safe and happy place for them? And um, that's what I always wanted to create with my classroom. And it was so funny. Um, I just thought of this story. I was at Office Depot the other day buying myself a new planner and um, for the school year. And I got to the checkout and, uh, and the kid has his name tag on. And he looks at me and I look at him and I said, Ben, he said, You remember me? I said, Of course I remember you. I have no idea of your last name, but I know you sat in the back row, of the fourth seat from the left. You know, what <laughs> I mean, those are the crazy things we remember. And he said, Oh my gosh, he said, I can't believe you even talked to me. He goes, I was a horrible student. He goes, Thank you for passing me in my class and your class. And he said, I think the only reason you passed me is because I did write in my gratitude journal every day. And I just laughed. And he said, That's what I remember about your class is that we wrote, and that gratitude journal, he said, and I still write in it. He said, I've never gone to college. I barely made it out of high school. Um, but he said, I still love that journal. He goes, and it was so funny to look back on the things. I walked out of that Office Depot just on clouds. I thought, my goodness, here's little Ben working at Office Depot, and um, but still loving his life. And he told me that. He said, I still always think about my gratitude. And I went, OK, that's it that's my job. I did it. He didn't, he doesn't remember a single vocabulary word and may not be able
0: to write a complete sentence, but what matters, you know? So. Oh, true. And I think, you know, um, I think we, our society is so obsessed with achievement and right. Especially at, at, I, I don't think anywhere more than in high school, are you graded and ranked in and it's like approved or disapproved. And so I do feel like the practice of mindfulness and positivity and gratitude is really such a different kind of a practice for that environment for kids. Um, that I, I think it's it's so important because otherwise they're sort of always feeling judged or ranked or graded. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and what's interesting, and 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 you know you know this as well as anybody, the research shows us that, and a lot of the research that I did um, when I got my master's was a happy, peaceful, calm mind is going to succeed. And so it, it's as though this should be the precursor to everything. Because if you're trying to teach kids all of the AP lit vocab terms, and they are stressed and anxious they're not going to function and they're not going to remember and they're not going to learn. So to me, it seems almost just, I don't know, common sense isn't the right word. My, my words leave me right now, but it seems as though every teacher in every classroom should examine and prepare and plan and practice something that engages their prefrontal cortex, their creative thinking, you know, part of their mind before they try to teach them anything. I mean, we're, we're teaching to kids who are not, they're they're physiologically not able to take in some of this information. And yet again, we focus so much on success and achievement. Well, the happier people are, the more peaceful and calm they are in their lives, the more they're going to achieve. And so if we can bring them to this place first, And then give them all the, you know, and and granted, I mean, I'm a teacher, I believe that kids need lots of knowledge and information, and they should know how to think and write and read and all those things. But, but we can't get there, if they don't have a mind that is open and ready for it. And so to me, mindfulness should be the, the first step. um, And always included. That's my dream. That's my hope. That 50 years from now, that is a part of every single classroom that these kids have the tools and practices um, to manage their emotions, to find their place of peace and calm. And then we have an unbelievably thriving and flourishing world.
0: So I love that dream. And I think um, the way that you're approaching it with the mindfulness and positivity project in this top-down fashion, understanding that um, it's not just students who are stressed, right? Teachers um, are exhausted and stressed and underpaid and overworked. And so this approach to, um, to assist teachers in creating a mindfulness practice for themselves in order for them to model it and teach to their students, I think, is really a brilliant way to do it.
1: Oh, it has. I, I think it's it certainly changed our focus. We were focused on students until we got some of the research back that we were doing that said the students who were actually showing you know, statistically and through some of the data we collected through UCCS, the, the students who were showing the most growth and improvement in their own coping self-efficacy, their own ability to manage their emotions, their, their own ability to seek help when they need it, to take a break, all of these things. The students who were doing the best in this research were those who had a teacher that that practiced with them every day, whether it was 90 seconds a day or two minutes a day, You know, and I think it's really important to let the audience know that mindfulness is not something we do outside of our daily lives. It's not like, oh, I'm going to take an hour for mindfulness today. Certainly, we have moments where we create a quiet space for um, meditation or journaling or just breathing or taking a hike. We create that space. But mindfulness is just a way that we begin to live our lives with peace and calm in the present moment regardless of whether we're taking a math test or taking a walk. So when we we began to see that working with teachers was probably the best way to reach more of our students, that made perfect sense. If we have teachers in every classroom who know how to care for themselves, who know how to live in the present moment, who know how to be present for their students, and to live with kindness and gratitude and savor relaxation and laugh um, and smile and, and truly embrace their lives, their teaching lives, which are chaotic and busy and things are thrown at you all the time. But if teachers can learn this, they can't help but teach this to their students. We teach who we are. I mean, we teach what we are. We teach what we value. We don't just teach math or science. And every single human being has a teacher they remember. Every one of us, you can ask that question. And generally, they remember that teacher because that teacher was present or believed in them or had fun with them or whatever it might be. They don't remember a teacher because they said, boy, that teacher finally taught me the Pythagorean theorem, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know so so that's the idea with teachers that we have teachers who walk into their classrooms and understand what it feels like to live a peaceful calm healthy happy life and that's who they are and they share who they are with their students and for every teacher that's different for you know my partner and co-founder jeff um he and i team taught together for many years and um we had very different practices to engage in positivity and mindfulness in the classroom. So every teacher finds it and, um, and they share that. And so it's um, I just envision this beautiful system of education where this happens in every classroom every day and that every teacher in every classroom is healthy and happy and peaceful and calm and loves their job. So
0: we'll get there. I share that vision with you. And then, it's interesting because if we extrapolate, you know, I'm, I'm imagining someone listening who may have children of their own and wondering what they can do, um, in their own home, you know, because I, I feel like how I, I've definitely had mornings that were calm and we had time. And I know that affected my children's day. Whereas we have had other mornings where, um, we're yelling to get out the door and we're behind and we're forgetting things. and, and, you know, I drop them off and I certainly feel a certain way and I know they do too. And so can you speak a little bit about what you would suggest to parents um, to incorporate some of these practices maybe into their home life as well?
1: I know that is such a loaded question Um, because in my life, having four children and my children were all close in age. So I had four children in six years and I was teaching teaching up until i was pregnant with my second child and then i decided to stay at home and i'm fortunate that i was able to leave my teaching job and stay home with my children for oh gosh it was about 14 years 13 14 years that i stayed home with my children and um i think a calm morning is so critical for students and how we prepare for that as parents i think it takes a little front-loading the night before whatever it might be just in a very practical sense to um, get up earlier if we need to um, try, you know, there's those tough kids. They don't want to get out of bed and they don't want to talk and they've got their headphones. Um, I didn't worry about this cause my children were, you know, in the generation before iPhones, but um, I say technology is one of those things that really divides us. and creates a lot more loneliness at times. Um, I'm not about the don'ts, but if I were, I would say, Uh, Try to have a technology-free morning on the ride to school or at the breakfast table or when you're getting ready to where, you know, the happiest people in the world connect with others. They don't connect with devices. And so if we can have those connections in the morning, um, choose our battles in the morning. I didn't care what my kids wore to school. I didn't care if their hair was brushed. They did need to brush their teeth. That was a battle (laughs) at times. No, there you are. But I mean, what what really matters, what's really important is connecting with your child in the morning, sitting down for a cup of coffee with them, giving that 10 minutes so that their day um, starts out with peace and calm. State their gratitude in the morning on the way to school in the car. What are you really grateful for? Um, What's your intention for the day? Um, What are some things you're going to face today where you need to be patient or kind or brave Or give yourself a lot of love to have conversations around those things um, so that our minds are scanning the world for good. We're appreciating that we have lives of abundance, not scarcity, um, that we can do hard things, that we can be brave, that we are loved. Um, Children should know every day, our children should know every day how deeply we love them, regardless of their actions or their grades or any of that kind of stuff. So I think those mornings of setting the day with intention and gratitude and um, that courage that we have to really muster within ourselves to know we can we can make it through hard days and do hard things. Those are great conversations at the breakfast table or in the car, rather than, did you finish your math homework? Do you have your spelling? And you know, don't be late for class. I mean, those, those types of things kids already know Um, And not that they're not important to address. Trust me. I'm not um, I'm not saying those things aren't important, but there's a time and place for all sorts of those things. But gosh, imagine a day where every child came into school knowing they were loved, um, speaking their gratitude and um, knowing that they had a parent that loved them just for who they were, not for what they would accomplish that day. So I think that would be just a huge start.
0: I love that, and you know, I think mindfulness is a practice. I I do that with. I drive my youngest. Uh, my my older uh, daughter drives herself to school, but we do that intention setting, and it's really interesting. When we started doing the practice, my son even finding an intention, like he would say the same thing every day, or have kind of a little challenge even setting his intention. But the more we did it, like by the end of the year, he was really great at setting an intention and. Um, finding is gratitude. So I I do really think it's called a practice for a reason. It's like a muscle that we have to, we have to train.
1: Right. Well, you know, it's the same thing. I mean, you don't go to soccer practice and every day the coach says, okay, we're gonna do something different today. If we really want to get good at scoring goals, we have to kick a thousand goals a day. If we really want to get good at, you know, becoming faster at track, we run the same 100 five times a day or, you know, five times in practice, if you really want to improve your body strength, you got to lift the same weights every day. And our mind is the same way. Um, If we do the same thing every day, and, you know, we've talked about this, that neuroplasticity, we change our brains, just like we can change the shape of a muscle in our body or the way we kick a soccer ball um, by doing the same thing over and over. So, Gratitude is is not underrated. I mean, the more we practice gratitude, and that's another precept of very happy people. I think I just mentioned that a bit ago was, you know, gratitude allows us to always look at life um, from, as I said, the idea of abundance, the good in my life. And then it empowers us in so many ways to be compassionate towards others, to want others to seek and find gratitude as well, to, to, you know, one of the things that I tell teachers is live your life each day so that some, you are someone's gratitude today. So it changes the way in which we walk through this world, but we have to reprogram that in our, in our brains and in our bodies. We have to teach our brain to search the world for good. Um, We have to teach our brains to look for ways to be kind. But the more we do it, it's like anything else. We build that muscle and then it becomes our default mode, which is just wonderful. And we we begin to live with a lot more ease in our lives when we see our lives as meaningful, purposeful and just full. So I think it's it's just critical.
0: Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, I have four kids. I think everyone comes in with maybe a different set point of, of gratitude, say, or, or positive psychology. And, um, I think too, to, to like, say the kid who has a hard time waking up and who wants to wear their headphones and kind of tune out that you can make incremental progress with all kids. You know what I mean? There's the kid who's kind of bouncing and sunshiny, um, and they're sort of easy to play gratitude with, but um sometimes i think it's those kids who are a little bit more standoffish or quiet that um that really if they can internalize this practice makes it makes a huge change in their life
1: it does and i think um sometimes it's it's like everything else in our lives we just model it and let them observe it in us rather than try to pull it out of them i mean the worst thing you'd ever want to do is go i want your gratitude right now you me know, this card do so you give me a gratitude blah, blah blah you know <laughs> I mean, you know, that that doesn't work, but I mean, my kids see it in me, my grandkids see it in me, my, you know, my friends, because it's, it's what I do. It's, it's the way that I live. And I think as parents and, and this is another thing, because, you know, especially younger generation of parents who actually were born with a cell phone in their hand as well to model that, I mean, you know, to put your, put your own cell phone down, put your own technology away. I think that, that, you know, children will model what they see that works within you know the people they love the most in their family structures so we have to model that gratitude we we don't beat it out of them by any means but we show them oh my gosh look at the beautiful flowers in my garden today or oh gosh i'd always forget to look at pike's peak on my way to work it's just glorious um love the way your hair looks this morning. Aren't you just so grateful that you have this beautiful full head of hair? You know, those those types of things that we just, um, it, we, we have to teach gratitude. We have to teach compassion. Um, we have to teach empathy. And we can teach those things, um, but it's not a curriculum. It's It's modeling it for those around us. Um, modeling how we work through the hard times too. And, and I, I want to make this really clear. This is not about toxic positivity. Um, this is not that I don't grieve, that there aren't, that I don't feel anger and sadness and fear and frustration and and all of those things in my life. In fact, it's so interesting that we're doing this podcast this morning because um, today would have been my sister's um, birthday, And I lost her seven years ago to death by suicide. And I wake up this morning to um, what I generally do, my ritual. And for some reason, and I rarely do this in the morning, um, I looked at my phone um, and her husband had made a large donation in her honor to the project this morning. And as much as that is such grief for me to know that I lost her and she is one of the driving forces behind what I do every day. Um, and I feel her with me and, and her spirit of joy. And, and she was, she was a joyful soul in this world. Um, but really suffered in ways that I think she could have found more healing. Um, but so it's not, when I talk about that gratitude, it's not like I wake up and think, Oh, the world's just wonderful. No, I wake up this morning and I miss my sister and I grieve for her. And, um, and we always celebrated birthdays big. So it's feeling deeply all of that, but then also being able to transform that grief because deep grief is just deep love. And I'm grateful for that. And so I find ways in my day-to-day to acknowledge who and what she was in this world and in my life. And um, I'll go out and work in my daisy garden. I have a daisy garden for her. And every year I buy another perennial daisy and planted in the daisy garden. And, and so it's not that our worlds are perfect by any means, but I want to find joy and peace in each day. And I want to really feel the feels of the sadness and the grief. If I didn't, you know, if we don't feel anger, then we don't, then we don't feel injustice. If we don't feel sadness, then we don't, then we don't know what it means to love just like grief. So that is also important, but Again, it's also wrapped up in that how do I alleviate unnecessary suffering in my life, which is a lot of what we talk about in mindfulness, um, but allow the real suffering to, you know, to be present and to feel it without it taking me to a place that could be harmful to my own health. So if that long answer makes any sense. So yeah, it's what was your sister's name? Her name was Beth. Beth Elizabeth Ann, yes, we all call her Bethy, Aunt Bethy. And um the honor, Bethy, today. Thank you. All yes. of my children, you know, reach out on the day on today as well because they loved her deeply. So, but she she had struggles, and um, you know, Jeff says on this same note, people say, "What's you know, why do you do what you do?" Um, it, kids just need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps, and you know, we we baby them too much, and we do. No, the world is different than it was. And having taught for as many years as I did um, over the course of 31 years, um, the world has changed. And we have so much coming at us all the time. And we know this. We have full-time news. We have full-time access to parent portal and grades. And the second a grade gets posted and kids get pops up on their phone. And and then you know the the minute anything happens across the world or in our neighborhoods, you know our phones ding and beep, and and we're constantly, constantly bombarded with things. So our world is different than it was. But Jeff and I talked about this, and um, but we can overcome that. We can find peace even in an ever changing world, because our goal, if anybody were to say what what is ultimately your goal, my goal would be to never ever ever have to walk into a classroom where there's an empty chair of a student that we've lost but that counselor that knocks on your door and everybody already knows and you've got to go in there and face your students and look at that empty desk and cry with them and grieve with them and then figure out how do we move forward so that we never ever ever have another empty chair in our classrooms. And that is it sounds so deep and heavy, but today it's always, it's on my mind as well. Um, But that's ultimately the goal. We want every kid to thrive and we want them to feel all the feels, but we want them to thrive and flourish and know that their life is so full of meaning and purpose and critical to so many other lives in the world. We're also interconnected. So, yeah.
0: It's so beautiful, Megan. I think, you know, one of the, one of the, highlights that I saw from that mindfulness class with my daughter was when we are in a practice of mindfulness, you're right. We're not on our screens and, and we're more open to connection with other humans, right? It's like, there's a softening that happens because we understand that, um, like there's that practice just like me, right? Just like me, you, you grieve and just like me. So, so that's really what I saw. It was a, it was this, oasis in that school day um, in a high school for kids to talk about their feelings, for kids to share with one another on a level that's beyond TikTok and whatever's on their screens and the perception that life is perfect and we only post our highlight reel. Um, And so I think that it's such a wonderful way and to offer in the work you do with teachers too, because they're holding so much. I mean, every single day. Um, And so it's such important work in the world. I'm so grateful that um, you and Jeff are are doing this work. And my prayer, just like you said, is that it does spread. You know, I know we moved from Eau Claire, Wisconsin. I know in that school district, they're doing wonderful work with mindfulness and teachers as well, but it feels like it's fundamental and it should be in every school district everywhere.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, teaching is a huge responsibility and an absolutely beautiful privilege and I think it is the noblest of all professions they are my heroes Um, and I want every teacher like I said to walk into their classroom every day um, accepting that privilege and that responsibility and you know just on a real practical sense when we talk about so what can teachers do in their classrooms every day oh my gosh but you know practice gratitude that's an easy that was that was an easy one to do um, to have kids label their emotions regardless of what they are to to learn to feel those feel those feels deeply um, to understand that that we our emotions are we're meant to embrace them. We're not really meant to act on them at all times by any means and that's something that we teach in mindfulness too just the pause, the, the taking a break for a few minutes, gosh, to to allow kids when they walk into the classroom, ninety seconds to two minutes of whatever it is that they want to do—a visualization, just notice my breathing in and out, um, notice tension in my body, um, notice any sort of sadness or fear or frustration I'm feeling. Um, give that—I mean, there's a million different things that we we work on the teachers, but to actually have kids inhale gratitude and exhale stress. I mean, just the the act of doing those things, 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes. Um, you know, my students got to where they started tricking me, I have to say, because they love the body scan. And when they know we'd have a lot of work to do, they'd come in and say, oh, one of them, they would be in the mindfulness club. Oh, Miss Fred, can I lead a body scan today, please? It's Friday. <laughs> you know, it's Thursday. Can I just lead a body scan? And inevitably I said, yes. Um, And I thought, well, if we don't get through all our lesson today and they would, oh, the kids would love it. Half of them would just lay down on the floor and go to sleep. I did not allow cell phones in my classroom. I will say that they had to come in my room, put it in the cell phone holder. If they didn't want to do that, then they could find another teacher. And I never had another single kid find another teacher but i just said put it there if you need it for some reason today if something's going on grandma's in the hospital mom's you know sick whatever feel free to just let me know gosh that's fine but they put their cell phones away and i often would do things like you can have you know drop a piece of candy or you know some sort of little treat in there so when they go to put their cell phone in there they're like wait there's something in here and they you know grab their treat it, it was fun to do that but i had students who would say can i lead a body scan i'd say sure They'd lay down on the floor and, you know, after about 15, 20 minutes, it's okay. We we really do need to wrap this up now. But my gosh, kids will remember that. They will remember that. They will not remember their vocabulary words and that's okay. They can look those up. But so, gosh, any of those practices, go around the room and just have kids connect with one other student and share an act of kindness that they did um, this last week or share something that they do in their life that makes them feel good and, um, you know, ways that they take care of themselves. Those things take 90 seconds to two minutes. And the research about what that can do, again, as I said earlier, just to their cognitive functioning when you're getting ready to move into a lesson um, and to their overall, you know, sense of well-being, self-awareness. I mean, you know, gratitude and compassion are the antidotes to loneliness. They're also the antidotes to, you know, social anxiety. And you know, loneliness is is the the number one concern about our teens these days. Well, all of us in many ways, we're so connected and yet we're so disconnected. So, gosh, a million things that that teachers can do in their classrooms every day. But and this is the caveat: if they don't embrace this in their own lives, if they don't see the value of it, and haven't really established a practice of that in their own lives it's really difficult to do that. Be like asking me to teach physics. I don't know anything about teaching physics, so I couldn't do it. So that's kind of what we tell teachers. If it takes you a whole year before you ever do a thing in the classroom, so be it,
0: you know, but we can extrapolate that to anyone listening. Who's not a teacher who wants to affect, you know, their own home that it's called a practice for a reason, because we can't, right? If we're not doing it ourselves, we don't model it for the rest and our presence. When you talked about, I love that about remembering a teacher. And I think that's so true. We remember people for their presence that they offered us.
1: Yes. Yes. We will. We will always remember that about teachers. I love to tell stories about the teachers that, that I remember. And, um, you know, it's just, gosh, I mean, we can change the world through teachers, I mean, you think about it. I taught 125 kids a day. That was a hun- one person can open up and share with 125 a day, 180 days a year. That's powerful. That is powerful. I mean, gosh, when I think about that, because every kid goes to school or, you know, let's say every kid, the, you know, the vast majority of the population of students go to school. Can you imagine Every one of those kids having a teacher that taught them the real skills in life, which was how to live a life where you thrive and flourish and love yourself. I mean, that's the other thing is, say, you know, we have kids in our educate in our classrooms for 12 years and we teach them all these things, but we never teach them how to love themselves and love the one precious life they've been given. That ought to be our number one standard and curriculum that we're looking at.
0: Well, I'm, no. I would love to vote for Meg Frederick for public office because,
1: of <laughs> <hearing>. <laughs> you know, I'm going you know, to pass on that one. <laughs> I, uh, I no, no, I'm not, I'm not sure that I would, uh, I would manage very well in that, that office. I, I'm, I'm hard to buy and, um. I, uh, I generally speak my mind, so that might not work. <laughs> well,
0: it just it makes my heart happy to know that you exist in the world. And I know there are many other wonderful educators like you who are doing this work. And um, as a parent and just as a human, I'm really grateful. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you. And thank you for what you are doing um, in our with our program and in our process with your singing bowl meditation it is it is something that all of our teachers beg for and love that 45 minutes of peace and calm and just connection and their heart space it's just it's it's absolutely beautiful so I know I'm excited we're off to a really busy school year we're in um, six high schools now and about 15 elementary schools. And I start my Monday morning at nine 30 at a junior high. I think I said that. So, I mean, just so much wonderful work to be done out there. So I'm very excited about it. Feel very grateful to be living this retired life. As my kids say, mom, you should go back to work full time. Cause we'd see you more often. <laughs> <laughs> and they are just so proud. I mean, they love what I'm doing, but yeah, it's been, it's been amazing.
0: Amazing. So thank you, Meg. I'm going to link your website in the show notes. Anyone who feels um, impassioned to donate or to find out more information, they can find it there. And um, once again, just thank you for your presence.
1: Oh my gosh. It was just such a pleasure. Just, just what I needed this morning myself. I just loved it. So thank you for that. And thank you to all your listeners. Um, they're fortunate to have you. So thanks. Grateful. All right. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you.